Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Over the last many weeks, I've been conducting a series titled Jesus the Great Storyteller. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the parables that Jesus taught. And of course, a parable is a simple story that illustrates a spiritual truth. So that's why I've titled this Jesus the Great Storyteller because he told many stories or many parables and those parables were simple uh, stories that illustrated spiritual truths. And of course, by studying uh, the Lord's parables, we learn so much about the kingdom of heaven because he would often start a parable by saying the kingdom of heaven is like unto and then he'd give the parable and uh and so much you could learn uh, you know we can learn about the kingdom of heaven by studying Jesus's parables and uh of course uh, you know we've been on this for many many weeks now actually since the start of 2023 we've got we got several more weeks maybe a couple of month, more months to go on this it's a vast subject uh but it's an important subject. Like I said, you could learn so much about, about God and how he sees things and how his kingdom operates. But if you've missed any of the previous sessions, you can get them for free uh, on our uh, website, you know, at, on Facebook, through, through our sermon player, through YouTube. It's all there for free for you. So you can catch up on anything that you may have missed. Or maybe you want to go back and listen to something Again, you know, repetition is the seed of learning. So anyway, with that being said, let's uh, get into the parables that we're going to cover today. And the parables we're going to look at today illustrate the importance of forgiveness. The importance of forgiveness, one of the most important subjects in all of the Bible. And the parables we're going to look at today illustrate the importance of uh, as I said, of forgiveness. So let's go to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And let's begin with verse 21. And I typically use the New King James Version. So let's look at this. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Peter was expecting that kind of an answer, but you know, he, he, and this has to do within a day, in a single day. How often should we forgive somebody? And Peter thought, well, you know, if I, if we did it, you know, seven times, that'd be pretty good. And the Lord said, no, not, not, just seven, but up to seven times 70 or 490 times in a day to forgive somebody. I mean, I don't know if anybody could, could, uh, could offend you that many times in a day. I've met a few people over the years that I think could have, could have, could warrant that much forgiveness in a day. But, but even so, the Lord said, uh, not just seven times a day, but 490 times a day. And actually, uh, if you, if you really looked into this, in the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, uh, and I'm not going to get into the, into this at any depth here, but there, there, uh, is, is a, a, a place there where 
in the book of Daniel, it talks about the time that's determined upon God's people, the Jews. And, and as you study into that, it has to do with seven times 70 or 490 years. And, and actually, the time that God's going to deal with, with uh, the Jewish people, as you study the book of Daniel, 490 years. So in other words, the time that God has determined upon his people, 490 years. And I like to cite that right here and say this. That this, this forgiveness, how many times we're supposed to give, forgive somebody in a day, it, it's not a matter of keeping score or keeping count. In other words, you know, if somebody, uh, sins against you 491 times, well, you forgive them 490, but then that 491st time, you don't have to forgive them. No, 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 no. What, what this is really, the seven times 70 is saying that as long as time is determined upon God's people, we need to be forgivers. And, you know, that is so, so true. We should always uh, have a forgiving heart about us and, and be forgivers. And so, uh, anyway, with that being said, let's go on with this parable verse. This is Matthew 18, uh, again, Matthew 18, now verse 23. Therefore, now Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like. Okay, so that's one of the reasons we're studying these parables is to find out how the kingdom of God operates, how God looks at things. So the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now that is a massive amount of money, a massive amount of money, just, just a massive amount uh, I, I, for my notes here, I didn't go in and study up how much that would be in today's figures, but we'll just, we'll just say, you know, multiplied millions of dollars. How's that? Just, just, you know, just massive amount of money an amount that most people will never dream about having. And, uh, and, and so, uh, this guy settled in accounts and one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, massive amount of money. No way this guy could ever pay it. So, but at, and then in verse 25, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Just have patience with me. We'll, we'll, we'll get you the money somehow, some way, but just be patient with me. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Now, he doesn't have to pay any of it. You think about that. This massive amount of money, however, however much, you can, you can study into it and find out how much it would, would be in today's money. But whatever, it's, it was a massive amount. The guy couldn't pay it. And now he asked for mercy and this, this, he's forgiven. It's, he doesn't owe it anymore. Think about that. Think about that. It's just all forgiven. And he was released and he was let go. And, uh, but that servant, now the guy that had been forgiven this massive amount of, of debt that he couldn't pay it, he's been forgiven it. He doesn't owe it anymore. Totally free of it. Is it nice to be free of debt, and not owe anybody anything? Absolutely. And, uh, but this guy's been set free of this amount he could never pay, you know, and anyway, but, but notice that guy that got forgiven now 
verse 28 says that servant, the one that was forgiven that massive debt, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now that's a pittance. That's a pittance. Just a pittance. And again, you could do the the math on it, but it was something that was a, a pittance. Just compared to what this guy had been forgiven, it's a pittance. Just a pittance. But he goes out, the guy who had been forgiven this great debt, goes out and finds this other fellow servant of his who owes him a pittance, just a piddly amount of money. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. Took him by the throat, said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Now, he said to, to that guy what this guy who had just been forgiven that massive debt had said to his master. Use the same words, asking for the same patience. But so, so, so this fellow that, that he's got this guy by the neck and this guy falls down and says, just you know, forgive me of this pittance. But this, this guy who had been forgiven all this massive debt would not. He would not forgive him. He went and threw this guy who owed him the pittance into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, if he throws him in prison, how is he going to ever pay the debt? But I mean, just think about it. He wasn't going to forgive. He had just been forgiven this massive amount. And now he's going to choke this guy, not forgive him and have him thrown in prison for a pittance. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. So so the guy that forgave the massive debt, he's now informed of what, what, what this guy he forgave has done. Then his master, after he'd called him, said to him, you wicked servant. So, so the guy who had been forgiven all that massive amount, he's called back in before the master who had forgave him the the massive debt. And notice the master calls this unforgiving servant, he calls him wicked. So, you know, how does God see things? When we refuse to forgive people, he sees that as wickedness. You wicked servant. And he's not pleased with him at all. He says, you wicked servant, exclamation point exclamation mark you wicked servant i forgave you all that debt because you begged me Uh, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as i had pity on you well certainly he should have and his master was angry you know you could be angry and sin not (laughs) and god gets angry with with folk he does you can see that in the Bible. Yet he's full of compassion. And this guy, I mean, he's this master here who's a type of God, he, he had great compassion and forgave that massive debt. But when he found out the guy he forgave wouldn't forgive a pittance, he got angry. And he's angry and, he, and notice he calls him in, he, he chews him out. And, and, and his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures till he should pay all that was due him. Think about that. Then verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you. Now, hang on every word here, especially verse 35. So my heavenly father 
also will do to you if each of you from his heart, forgiveness is an issue, it's a matter of the heart, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let me read that again. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. So this guy who owed this massive amount of money, what he was forgiven, that massive debt that he couldn't pay, what he, what he went out, you know, and, and that his fellow servant who owed him a pittance, I mean, he should, the attitude should have been, you know, my master forgave me this massive debt. Now this guy owes me a pittance. I'm going to do to him what my master did to me. I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive him that little pittance. I mean, I'm so far ahead of the game here. I've been forgiven this massive debt. He just owes me a piddly diddly amount. I'm going to forgive that. Just go right on. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. And it cost him. Unforgiveness is costly. It's one of the costliest things that there is. Absolutely. And, and now, this debt, because this guy who had been forgiven all this great amount of money wouldn't forgive this piddly diddly thing over here, all that he would he wouldn't forgive the piddly diddly debt. Now all that debt that he owed has come back on him. It's come back on him, and he's in trouble. He's in trouble, and and this illustrates how God see things, how God sees things, and it illustrates to us how the kingdom of heaven operates. And I'm going to read verse 35 again because it sums it up. So my heavenly father also will do to you, if we won't be forgivers, the heavenly father will do to you, if this is what the father is going to do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So if we won't forgive others, the Lord's not going to forgive us. It's that, that simple. Now with that being said, Turn to Matthew, the sixth chapter, because this is a theme we see the Lord sharing, the Lord Jesus sharing again and again, that if we will not forgive others, then God the Father will not forgive us. And he, this theme, he shares it again and again. If you look at Matthew, the sixth chapter, we just saw it there in this parable here. It's known as the parable of the unforgiving servant there in Matthew 18. But go to Matthew 6. And uh, the Lord's Prayer, what's known as the Lord's Prayer, as he comes down to the end of that prayer, Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or we could say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So that's in the Lord's Prayer, what's known as the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, 12. But if you drop down to verse 14, the Lord comments on this statement here after the prayer is concluded. He says in verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wow. I mean, that, that to me, that's spiritual law right there. I mean, we see it again and again. We saw it in the parable, and now we see it here at the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read it again. Matthew 6, 14. Jesus, the Lord himself says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
I mean, that's part of the prayer. Forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive our debtors. And then if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not for, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I mean, that is, that, that should have all of our attention, our full blown attention right there. And we should be forgivers, but, but it doesn't stop there. If you go to Mark 11, go to Mark 11, turn in your Bibles to Mark 11, this great passage on the subject of faith. And if you look at Mark 11, verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And in, in so many faith circles, and thank God I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Bible teacher. And how can you be a Bible teacher and not be a faith teacher? I mean, I teach on the subject of faith. I mean, faith is so important. And, and, and I teach on faith a lot that we're supposed to have faith in God and, and live by faith and walk by faith and all the principles of faith that the Bible teaches. I teach those. I believe in those, certainly. And oftentimes when the subject of faith is being taught, this passage is cited and rightly so. It's very powerful about having the faith of God or the God kind of faith and, you know, believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth and declaring at the, you know, speaking to the mountain, be thou removed and all of that. It's all very important and very right, very true. But so oftentimes on teaching on the subject of faith, we stop at verse 24. And then because we stop at verse 24, a lot of people that I've met over the many years, and I've been guilty of this myself, we, 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 we stop at verse 24 and then we go on, we're trying to exercise the principles of faith, believe it in our heart and speak it to the mountain with our mouth and all of that mountain be removed and cast into the sea, whatever the mountain is, you know, that you're dealing with in your life, whether it's sickness or disease or whatever it is. And, uh, but we don't see the mountain moving, <laughs> you know, mountains not moving. Get no results. Pray into the heavenly Father, and use it our faith and praying in faith and 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 all of that. But yet the mountains not moving. There's no answers <laughs> coming to our prayers, and we wonder what is going on. Well, we have to keep reading, and we'll see how this subject of forgiveness is linked to uh, this 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 subject of faith. Notice verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, whenever you stand praying. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. You see, there is that that spiritual law once again. Now, we've seen it in three distinct places now where the Lord has said this, this same thing. Absolutely. And if we won't forgive others, then the Lord's not going to forgive us. Game, set, match. It's that 
simple game set match they, they say that in tennis what 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 it's all over i mean game set match that's all there is to it if we won't forgive others then god is not going to forgive us it's that simple and it's a very it's very very clear in the bible jesus made it clear he repeated it he went over it again and again it, it, it's a major lesson that we must understand from the bible if if we want the lord to forgive us we must forgive others absolutely and and on this subject of faith uh, you know i've dealt with as i've said i want to say it again i've dealt with so many people over over the years they'll come to me and they'll say pastor terry you know i i've i've read all the books on faith i've listened to all the you know the 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 teaching on faith that i could get my hands on and and i've taught you know understand faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god and and i understand so i've been listening to the word of god and and i've and, and i've you know, I've been studying scriptures and I've been believing in my heart. I've been confessing with my mouth and, and I've been praying, you know, to the Lord and, and using my faith and believing God and trusting him. But yet mountains aren't moving. Things aren't happening. No prayers being answered. And it's been months, weeks, months, years, long time, nothing happening. What am I doing wrong, Pastor Terry? And I'll, and I'll take him right here and I'll say, you have to ask yourself a question. Are you holding anything against anybody? Are you holding anything against anybody? Because see, if you are, it will hinder your prayers and it will cause your faith to be inoperative and, and to not work as it should. Absolutely the truth that the Lord said it right here in this great teaching on the subject of faith. But yet that great teaching on the subject of faith and faith is one of the most important Bible topics that there is. You could put it right up at the top of the list. You can't get saved without faith, right? And, uh, and much more we could say, but it's linked. Faith is linked to being a forgiver. Absolutely the truth. So he says, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, do you have anything against anyone? If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, forgive them that your father in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And, and, and that's, again, one of the most important lessons we can learn in the Bible is we must be forgivers. Absolutely. And it's clearly linked here, as I've already said, again, repetition is the seed of learning. If you won't be a forgiver, if you're holding and harboring unforgiveness in your heart, it will, it will hinder your prayers and it will, it will, it will hinder your faith and you, you, you won't be in a position to receive from God as you should. Absolutely. Because if you won't forgive others, he won't forgive you. Think about that. If we won't forgive others, he won't forgive us. He won't do it. If we won't forgive others. Absolutely the truth. You know, forgiveness is, uh, it's, it, it's one, it, let me just read from my notes. It's one of the greatest manifestations of love that there is. Talking about the God kind of love, what's known in the Greek language, agape, the God kind of love, unconditional love. Forgiveness is one of the greatest manifestations of the love of God. And uh, 
And we, you need to understand this. When we, according to Romans, the fifth chapter and the fifth verse, when we get saved, when we repent of our sins as a sinner, we repent of our sins and we receive Jesus, we get born again. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And at that very moment, according to Romans 5, verse 5, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the Bible says he, he, I'll put it in my own words, he injects us into our, into our hearts. I don't mean our blood pump, but into our spirits, the love of God. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. So if you're born again, if you know Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior, uh, the moment you got saved, the Lord shed abroad his love in your heart, got ejected into you, and you have the love of God in you. And because you have the love of God in you, uh, remember forgiveness is one of the greatest manifestations of the love of God. So you have, if you're born again, you've got the love of God in you. And that means you've got the capacity and the capability of forgiving. Absolutely, because forgiveness is one of the greatest manifestations of the love of God. So, I mean, every Christian has the capacity to walk in the love of God and to forgive. No matter what anybody has done to you, uh, you have the capacity uh, to forgive. Somebody, you know, I've had people, I say somebody, I've had several people over the years come to me. I'm talking Christians. And they've said, Pastor, what that person did to me is just so egregious. I just, I just don't think I can forgive them. And I'll, t- I'll share with them just what I said to you. Hey, if you're born again, you have the love of God in you. And because you do, you have the capability of forgiving anybody of anything that they've done to you. Absolutely. And actually, if you look at 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the f- uh, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, uh, that great passage on the love of God. And if you look at verse 5 in the Amplified Classic Version of the Bible, Verse 5, and I'm just going to read a part of that verse, says, uh, Love, God's love in us, takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, you talk about forgiveness. This is talking about the love of God, but it's talking about one of the manifestations of the love of God, which is forgiveness. And it says right here, Love, God's love in us, takes no account to the evil done to it, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Well, that's forgiveness and action right there, isn't it? It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It takes no account of the evil done to it. So we as Christians, we should be walking in love. The Bible says to walk in love. And if you're walking in love, you're going to be walking in forgiveness. And, and if we're doing that, we take no account of the evil done to us. We take no account to the wrongdoing that people do to us. We take no account of it. We don't, we don't, we don't keep score. We don't, we don't take account like accounting, you know, in accounting. We, we don't, we don't, uh, keep account of the wrong that's done to us. We pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Yeah, but pastor, they, they wronged me. I've suffered wrong from, from that person. Absolutely. I have. I know. I know you have it. I, and I, and I, absolutely. But what does the Bible say? You pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, this is easier said than done, but it, it can be done. And it must be done if we want God to forgive us when we mess up. 
Absolutely. But you think about that. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts when we get born again and we have then the capacity to forgive. And as such, we take no account. We keep no accounting of the wrongdoing or the evil that's done to us. And we pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I mean, I've already had had people. I'm not saying I'm, I'm anything, but I'm just telling you, I've tried to live this way to the best that I can. And I've had people, you know, uh, I'm thinking of one situation where somebody sometime in the past posted something on social media or something about me. Just just ugly, just ugly, just absolutely ugly. And <laughs> I won't get into the details of it, but but then you run across that person and, and, and they're standing there like, you know, they're expecting you, I think, to expecting me to, you know, shun them or do something, or yell at them or whatever. And I just, I just act like nothing ever happened. Like I never even read that in the first place. And it freaks them out. It absolutely freaks them out. Actually, I think it has a greater effect on them than if you went up and start beating on them or, or just turned and walked away, you know, just act like nothing ever happened. I mean, that freaks them out. That freaks them out. Absolutely. And, uh, absolutely, it's almost amusing. It's almost fun just to look at them when they're expecting, you know, that's one person expecting me to, you know, lash into him and this, that, and the other. And I just, this, how you doing? Good to see you, you know? And how can I do that? I can't do that in and of myself. I do that because uh, the Holy Spirit is in me and the love of God is in me and he's given me the capability to forgive. And so I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I keep no account of evil done to me. Absolutely. And it's so important. How bad do you want to get your prayers answered? How bad do you want the mountain, whatever it is in your life, when you speak to it to move? Well, how bad do you want your faith to work? Well, that you've got to be a forgiver. How bad do you want God to forgive you? Well, you need to be a forgiver. I need to be a forgiver. And uh, we take no account of the evil done to us. We pay no attention to a suffered wrong. You know, I have here... The dictionary definition of forgiveness. So this is a, a dictionary, one, one definition I found in the dictionary of forgiveness. I think we all know what it is, but in case you don't, let me read this. It means to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, wrong, or, or mistake they committed against you. So that, that's pretty simple. Uh, to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, wrong, or mistake they committed against you. So it's just stop feeling angry against them. And then it also means to cancel a debt, to hold nothing against. To cancel a debt, to hold nothing against. And I think that might have been Webster's dictionary definition of forgiveness. But, you know, I looked it up in the Greek, in a Greek dictionary, and it certainly it means those things as well. But it also means this. It means, among other things we could say, it means to let something go. Just let it go. Let it go. Whatever they did wrong to you, whoever they are, whatever they did wrong to you. Yeah, but you don't know how many times they did it wrong to me. They did something wrong to me. Well, how do we start this with that parable when Jesus answered Peter up to seven times 70, 490 times? Yeah, but pastor, they did it to me uh, 491 times in a day. Well, what did we say a while ago? As long as time is determined, we must be forgivers and you let it go. You let it go, 
no matter how often somebody's offended you or the offenses come against you and what you let it go. You let it go. You know, a sign that we can tell if we've let something go or not is a very simple one. <laughs> it's a very simple one is just listen to your, 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 listen to what you've been saying about that situation. In other words, if we've let something go, if we, if somebody's wronged us and we've really forgiven them and we, 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 we're not feeling angry or resentful toward them anymore, we, we, we've canceled that, <laughs> that debt, so to speak. We're holding nothing against them. We've let the situation go. You know, we've built that bridge and got over it, you know, and we've, we've forgiven them. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to get. Now, listen carefully. How can you know whether or not you've really, truly forgiven something, uh, forgiven someone of something where they've wronged you, is do you continue to talk about it? Do you continue to rehash it with your words? Do you continue to go over it and over it? Do you continue to even periodically to talk about how so-and-so's wronged you. You know, and, and I've been guilty of this myself. I've been guilty of this many times. And, but, you know, I I kind of joke a little bit about it, but, you know, there's no really not a joking matter because if we want God to forgive us completely and totally, we need to forgive others completely and totally. You know, we, when the Lord forgives us, he, he forgives us and that's, you know, that's it, you know. Now, now, he, he, he has a capability of, of forgetting or we could say not remembering something because he chooses not to remember it. And I taught a whole lesson on, you know, how God forgets things. And, and maybe I'll teach on that someday down the road. Now, now with us being human beings, we, we may have a little harder time forgetting the wrongs that people have done to us. I mean, you know, just in your brain, it's still there. But, but, but you, know, you really forgive somebody, you let it go. You get you, you don't talk about it anymore. You don't rehash it. And a sign, here it is, I want to make it clear, a sign that you haven't really forgiven somebody is if you're continually or even periodically rehashing the situation, you know, <laughs> the wrong that they did to you, you're continually, continually or periodically talking about it with somebody. Um, I remember uh, back many years ago, I guess it was 1980. Uh, 1986 right in there I did my student teaching uh, at a certain school district here in in, uh, in the St. Louis area and uh, I got assigned uh, a, a lady who did my student teaching she was a supervisor and I was working under her for like I don't know four months or whatever it was as a student teacher uh, you know I was a student teacher and she was she she was the teacher at that school district at that certain high school, and I was uh, in in the area of mathematics. I was uh, you know working uh, under her, and she was my supervisor. Now I had a a main supervisor at the University of Missouri St. Louis, but this was the lady that I worked for at the at the local high school. And let's just put it this way, for sake of illustration, that this this lady was was just. She was not the most pleasant individual. She she just wasn't. It was it was a very very bad assignment that I drew. Uh, <laughs> I was assigned. She was just not a very pleasant lady. Now, in fairness to her, if I could go back to that time, there's some things that I did. You know, being much younger, 
uh, said and did that if I could do things differently, there, there's some things I said and did that I, you know, sh- should not have, have said and done. I mean, nothing vulgar, nothing like that, but just, you know, I thought I, I thought I, you know, I thought I, you know, I guess all of us when we were younger, you know, I thought that my way of doing certain math problems was the way to do it. And there's, she wanted them done a different way. And, and I learned that, you know, when in Rome, <laughs> you do as the Romans, you know, the old saying. So if I had to do that over again, you know, I'm in her class. She wants the problems done a certain way. That's the way we do them without question. So I've learned that over the years. So there's some things like that I would definitely do differently. But with that being said, I didn't, I didn't deserve the treatment that I got. I mean, it was like, it was, it was like, it was a hellacious, uh, uh, atmosphere that I was in. And this lady was just, uh, she was just, again, not the, it was, let's just say it was a bad, I, I, I didn't, I, it was just, it was, I guess what you get what I'm trying to say. It was a bad, it was a, it was about the, what are the, Worst four months of my life. Because see, student teaching is supposed to be like the, 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 the icing on the cake. It's supposed to be the most fun time of college. You're doing your student teaching and it's supposed to be the most wonderful time. But for me, because of this lady, it was absolute misery. But I got through it and, and actually, I taught my first lesson. It was a trigonometry class. First time I taught a lesson. And I was nervous and I won't go into all the details, but that evening she calls me on the telephone and she says, you did a terrible job uh, today. You have no talent as a teacher. You'll, uh, you'll never amount to anything as a teacher. And, and you should, uh, uh, seriously think about quitting right here and do something else with your life. <laughs> That's the first time out of the blocks, you know, that I ever taught. You know, you talk about uh, a word of, of disencouragement. Well, you know, thank God for my mom. And she, <laughs> my mom got, she got ruffled up there on that. And, uh, but anyway, she said, no, you're going to keep on going. And so thank God I got, I got, uh, I finished up the semester with this lady and it was miserable. But, uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I, I did all right teaching. I taught many years at the, uh, at the uh, 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 you know, high school level, junior high school level, the junior college level. I did just fine. The lady, that student teacher supervisor, never cost me a dime, never cost me a job, didn't cost me anything at all. And uh, as far as that, but but I, I must tell you that. With all that being said, I think we did all right in the teaching arena. But at the time and as time went on, I mean, this is one person that I had, I had, I struggled with forgiving. And, uh, and I thought I'd forgiven her. And, and then, you know, I'd start talking and I'd be talking to people about it, telling somebody over here or somebody over there how she did me. But as I learned more about the Bible, I saw that if I wanted God to forgive me, I need to forgive her because I could see, I could hear it in my, in my verbiage that I hadn't forgiven this woman. I, not really from my heart. I, you know, I, I, cause I was blabbing about it here and there and telling people, oh, you just wouldn't believe what happened to me in my student teaching. <laughs> But, you know, finally it came to the point where how bad do I want God to forgive me? And so, you know, I just, look, I just said, look, 
I forgive this lady and, 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 and I, and I just, by faith, I forgive her and I did. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, uh, thank God I, I, and, and I was able to forgive her and, uh, Thank God, thank God, thank God. Now, I'll be honest with you, there are some times, and I could tell you stories of other people, you know, but we'll just, we'll just, we'll just stick with her because she sits at the top of the list for me. But, you know, even now, even now as I'm standing in front of you, I'm, you know, thinking back on that and my flesh, you know, we all still have flesh. <laughs> we all, the Bible talks about the new man and the old man. You know, the old man is that old, the old, the flesh, that we dealt with you know, before we got saved and then the new man after we get saved. And the Bible says the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak, you know, and all of that. The Lord said that. And if my spirit's willing, you know, forgive her. But I tell you, right before, as I stand before you, thinking back on it, th- this may help people. Just in my flesh, I still, you know, <laughs> my flesh wants to grind and I want to just stand here and tell you some of the, you know, flesh wants to do that. But Paul, the apostle Paul said, I keep my body under. So I keep my body under. I've forgiven her and I don't talk about it. I mean, hardly ever. I haven't talked about it the longest time here. I'm using it as an illustration, but I forgave her. And now it's just, I think back on it. I just kind of chuckle because, you know, and I look at it like this. I may have learned some things from that woman and got some things out of that, that I may have not got, that I may not have gotten any other way. And, uh, <laughs> And so I, I just, I'm amused by it anymore, but, but I had to forgive her. I had to forgive that woman. And uh, like I said, she never cost me anything, you know, but I had to forgive her. And, and like I said, when I talk about it now, my flesh, you know, what's, but, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, you know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know how I said, yeah, I need to say this. You know how I said that, that she never cost me a dime? Well, she didn't as far as me not getting a job or whatever. She never cost me anything there. Um, but you know where she could have been costly to me and was costly to me? Now, if you think about this, I didn't intend to say this. This is coming out by the Holy Ghost. You need to listen. Well, well she never cost me a dime. Well, she may not ever cost me dollars and cents in that I didn't get a, you know, she didn't keep me from getting uh, hired and working as a teacher. And ultimately, I went into ministry anyway, so I didn't need, didn't need that anyway, the teaching of, of math. But where would she have cost me? Where did she cost me for a while? Not dollars and cents, something far more than that. If I'm not going to forgive her, God's not going to forgive me. You talk about costly. You talk about costly. So, hey, we start thinking in those terms, I forgive her uh, of all charges. I mean, she totally forgiven and uh, pay no attention to a suffered wrong, forgive her and move right on down the road and just enjoy the blessings of God, which I have now for many, many years. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And so uh, uh, now let me say this and then we'll read one more parable and then I'll close. Parable along these lines. But I want to say this. This is so important. Listen to this. Forgiveness is not condoning the wrong done to you. I, I know that people have said to me over the years, you know, well, pastor, you know, so-and-so, um, you know, particularly I'll just, I'll just, uh, uh, you know, make up a situation, which I think is a very common one. But, you know, like if a husband, 
you know, uh, is abusive in some way to his, his wife. And, and, and I've, I've known of situations where verbally or whatever, you know, and the wife just can't take it anymore. And it's such an abusive situation. And, and, and she had to, I, I'm thinking of one right now that, that this happened before they ever, this lady, before she ever came to, to, to my church years ago. And she had to, her husband was just so abusive verbally and, and whatnot. She had to get away from him. And, and the divorce was done and all of that. And, and she heard me teaching along the lines of, of, of what I'm teaching today and, and how important it is, is to forgive. And, and she said, well, if I, if, if I forgive him, I mean, don't you realize that, that if I forgive him, she said, am I, am I condoning all that wrong that he did to me? And that's what I want you to get. No, forgive, listen, oh, if you're taking notes, write this down. Forgiveness is not condoning the wrong that was done to you. That'll help you right there. Because a lot of people think, well, if I forgive so-and-so, then I'm condoning the wrong that they've done to me. No, forgiveness is not condoning the wrong that was done. Forgiveness is, is letting it go and not holding it against them anymore. You understand that? And then also, Forgiveness is not continuing in an abusive relationship. So if you're out there and you're in, in an abusive relationship, particularly like if a woman is being beaten by her husband or something like that, and, and you hear me teaching this, and it, don't misunderstand and think that you ought to stay in that relationship uh, you know, because you need to be a forgiver. Well, you need to be a forgiver, all right, but forgiveness is not continuing in an abusive relationship. If, if somebody's beating you or being abusive to you, I mean, you need to get away from that. Absolutely, as fast as you can. And then, and then, you know, I mean, forgive them, all right. That forgiveness is not condoning the wrongdoing. But, uh, and, but, but also forgiveness is not staying in that abusive relationship. <laughs> you need to get away from that person that's abusing you. You know, I'm thinking about another situation that my wife and I dealt with years before we started the church, right up to where we started the church. We were dealing with an individual that we had done everything we knew to do. And it was just an abusive situation that, that, that we're, we were dealing with. And, and it, it got to a point where we just had to get away from this particular, uh, individual and his wife. You know, we love them and all that, but we just couldn't stay in that anymore. And, and we, and so, you know, but, and somebody came to me and said, well, just forgive them and go on. But after you're abused and abused and abused and abused, I don't mean physically, but, just abused verbally and, and whatnot, you got to get away from it. You just do. And so I heard somebody say this years ago. It's so good. And you ought to write this down. You know, sometimes you have to love people from a distance because it's better than hating them up close. Now <laughs> you need to listen to that. Sometimes you need to love people from a distance because that's better than hating them up close. You know, you know, you forgive them from a distance, <laughs> from a distance. That's better than not forgiving them up close. If you stay in that, if we, I mean, if stay in that situation, it was horrible. So sometimes you just, you, you know, oh yeah, well, well, just, 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 
just forgive them and go on in that abusive relationship. No, 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 no. We had given this individual, you know, dozens of times to change, never was going to change. We had to get away from it and we did. And I'm glad we did. And we loved and forgave that person from a distance. And it was far healthier for my wife and I. So, uh, so I hope that was helpful to you. Now let's conclude, and I could go on and on, but let's conclude with Luke, the seventh chapter. The parable of forgiving of unequal debts. Let me read this, make a few comments, and then we'll close. Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. This is Luke 7, verse 36. Now verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sitter, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with uh, the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the, with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, speaking of Jesus, if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, so this Pharisee's name was Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a, now Jesus is going to give a parable here. He's going to tell a story. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. So one, one owed far more than the other, unequal debts. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? You know, you know that Jesus would ask questions at times, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times his questions weren't that hard to answer. Now, when, now sometimes he, he asked the Pharisees some questions that he, he left them, he left them dumbfounded. But, but what he, what, what he's talking in a situation like this, you know, uh, it's very simple here. And, and Simon says, Simon says, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. That's pretty simple, I think. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, and that was a form of greeting, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Uh, very true. Very true. And it's true because Jesus said it. Absolutely. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. The greatest words you could ever hear from the Lord, I think. What, what else could be greater? Your sins are forgiven. Whew, good words there. Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him begged, uh, be, uh, at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Uh, these Pharisees, <laughs> instead of them rejoicing for the woman, they're grumbling about Jesus. Anyway, 
Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So what do we learn from this parable? Well, it's in it's in uh, verse 47 where he said, uh, he said, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven. The same loves little. So. Um, and we could say so much about this parable, but for the sake of time, let me let me just say this. You know, uh, you know, to whom who has this woman had had she was a very sinful woman, and she was forgiven of all that sin. And you know, from what the Lord is saying here, it's clear to me that she would have a greater love perhaps for the Lord Jesus than we'll say someone who hadn't didn't have the level of sin, if you will, that she had and they were forgiven. Just like, you know, the one that owed less, the one that owed more, they were both forgiven. The debts were unequal, so the one that was forgiven more would love more. That's what he's he's driving at here and he's saying how true it is, the Lord's saying it is true. But but what what I want to get at is this is reading from my notes, listen to this. We should love the Lord much because he has given, he has forgiven us much. Now there's a lot I could say about this parable. We could we could spend a lot more time on it, but just a simple truth here and we'll close is we should love the Lord much because he has forgiven us much. Every single one of us, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all, okay, owe God a debt that none of us could possibly pay. Absolutely. Like the the, the fellow we started out with here in that first parable who owed that massive amount and there's no way that he could pay it. Well, I tell you what, we owe the Lord far more than that. Absolutely. We've sinned against God as human beings, all sin and come short of the glory of God. And, and the punishment for that sin is eternity separated from God in a devil's hell. Absolutely. Absolutely. In torment and punishment and suffering for all eternity. That's what I deserve. That's what you deserve. And, and, and we owed God a debt that we could never, ever, ever pay. Absolutely, a massive debt. And he loved the world. He loved you and me so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. And Jesus came and he died on that cross. And he paid that debt to God the Father on our behalf. He paid, God forgave us through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, his shed blood, his burial, his resurrection. God forgave us. Uh, through what Jesus did, through his redemptive work. And, and God has, we could never have, have paid the debt we owed. All, all of us destined for a devil's hell. We owed more, owed more like this parable, owed more than we could ever pay. But, but Jesus came, paid the price for us, and God has canceled the debt. He's forgiven it, and it's, it, it's gone 
It's a good deal. It's a good deal, and he's forgiven us. So as a result of that, according to this parable, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, every our body with everything we've got. We should love him most of all. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Well, I hope these parables on forgiveness were helpful to you today. And uh, as I close off, I just want to tell you that if you're out there and you've never taken advantage of uh, the Lord's great forgiveness, uh, let me just say this to you. You know, you need to repent of your sins. You need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus and receive him as your savior, if you really mean it from your heart, uh, I tell you what, instantly God wipes away the debt that you owe him. He forgives it and, and it's gone forever and you're totally and completely free. You'll never go to hell and you'll wind up in heaven with him and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So call on the name of the Lord Jesus right now. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. Come into my heart. If you'll do that with a sincere heart, the words don't have to be any more sophisticated than that. If you mean them that quick, you're forgiven. And he'll say to you, just like he said to this woman, your sins are forgiven. And then you go on and serve the Lord Jesus the rest of your life. Well, hey, thanks for joining me today. And we'll pick up right here next week with another parable. All right, God bless you. Bye-bye.